just a moment here. Let everybody get situated. And you have apple pie available, and it's just, yeah, everybody's just bombarded up there. All right, so let's go ahead and, um, Sandy, if you would, let's shut down any music and uh, get all the recordings going. And if y'all would, please agree with me tonight. Let's believe the Lord. His word is so important. So, Father, we agree together over the word of the Lord. Lord, we value your word. We love your word. Where would we be today without the word of the Lord? It's an anchor in our lives. Lord, the word of God, the Bible says, is alive and active. It's alive. The word of the Lord is living. And, Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit breathed upon men of old and wrote and gave us this today. And I pray um, that tonight, as I speak this, that you would come upon me and speak through me under a mighty anointing and allow your Holy Spirit to fill and brood over all that are going to be listening to this, Lord, so that we can really give you our best ear and full attention, that we're, we're captivated and locked into what you're speaking. We're not distracted by other things, but our hearts are tuned in, our minds are tuned in, that you would anoint our eyes and ears and give us eyes and ears of the Spirit to be able to see and understand things maybe we never have before. And, Lord, that this word will go out as the parable of the seed and the sower, as living seeds of truth sown into good, fertile soil that's already ready by the Holy Spirit, prepared, hearts and minds. And, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will water the seed and cause that seed to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And, Lord, that your word will be like light shining and dispelling all the darkness, the lies, the deception of the evil one, things that are just religious. It's just pet doctrines of men or it's... it's a opinions of men things like that but it's not really the word of the lord or that you would dispel all of that and bring your truth and your light we want to be a people that walk in the light as you're in the light and that's revelation that's understanding the things of god by the spirit of god but lord that you would allow also that your word be a mighty hammer that's going to break down every stronghold every deception and that your word is that living double-edged sword lord that's going to cut away what needs to go pierce through and we thank you lord right now let the winds of your spirit carry the word of the lord everywhere it's supposed to go lord we agree together we bind the enemy that would try to hinder as the bible says the enemy like birds try to swoop down to steal the seed and so lord this group together we agree we bind in jesus name everything that would try to hinder the word of the lord and this seed from getting where it's supposed to go we bind you in the name of jesus you release it And, Lord, let the winds of the Holy Spirit carry this everywhere it's supposed to go. Let your angels watch over your word to protect it and make sure it gets every place it's supposed to be, every life, everything's going to be accomplished as God's will to be done. Lord, we commit this unto you, for you said you send your word out, and it will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So, Lord, we thank you. We pray, agreeing together, and we believe we receive it now. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for always praying with me over the word of the Lord. Um, All right, so here's a couple things. I want to say up front, and I'm being serious about this, okay? Some of this, at the beginning especially, might come across a certain way. So I want to make it real clear that I'm looking out here in River of Life, and this is not directed at anybody. I'm being sincere about this. To my knowledge, there's nothing going on that's a problem. I believe God has given me the last two sermons and then this is kind of ending it but talking more about the end times but these are sermons that are more in the way of warnings down the road as god begins to move with greater power 
And as things start changing, that Satan will try to change his strategies. And so I'm just presenting this in a way. There's nothing that I know of that is going on right now. Okay, so I don't want to come across like there's a problem. Because I don't believe that there is. But I'm preaching in a way to help people that there won't be down the road also. Okay, so please don't take this the wrong way. This is not directed at anybody. It's just I'm just preaching what I feel the Lord has me preach. All right. So with that said... Let me open with this, and I don't think this is in notes, so you may want to just jot this down and read this later. But this is how I want to open this up. It's going to be extremely important in these end times. And as I read over these scriptures, I believe there's going to be more of an awareness and kind of a seriousness, if you will, about the day and time that we're living. And I believe people's eyes will be open more to that But it's going to be incredibly important in these times that we be under spiritual covering. I hope you all hear me. It is extremely important, and I cannot tell you how important this is, that you're not led by the flesh, and you're not led by um, just other things, um, personal desires, things like that. But people are praying and hearing from God, and they really are led by the Spirit where they're supposed to be what church they're supposed to be at. They're not there because of any any of the frills or different things going on. They're there because they feel God's led them there. And that they come underneath that spiritual covering of authority, there is unbelievable protection in that right there. Unbelievable. But I would say, unfortunately, that I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that the majority... But here in America, at least, the majority of Christians are probably not hearing from God and going where God has placed them, that they've heard from the Lord, they know they've heard from God, and they're going where they're supposed to be going, led by the Spirit, and they've plugged in there, and they really come up under that covering, and they have an attitude like, come hell or high water, doesn't matter, I'm going to stay where God's put me. Um, That is not the case a lot of times across the board. And it's very concerning because when you're not properly undercover, you're vulnerable to things that normally you would not be vulnerable to spiritually. So let me read this, and then I'll I'll try to do my best to cover this quickly because I want to dwell more on the end times than anything else. But when Jesus entered Capernaum, this is Matthew 8, starting with verse 5, a centurion came to him, imploring him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home fearfully tormented and jesus said to him i will come and heal him but the centurion said lord i'm not worthy that you would step foot under my roof but just say the word my servant will be healed now listen to what the centurion says for i am a man under authority with and he says also with soldiers under me under my authority I say to this one, go, he goes, to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done for you as you have believed. 
And the servant was healed that very moment. I want you to take notice that Jesus remarked it. I know it's his faith, his faith that, but notice what the centurion said coupled with his, with his faith. He said, I am a man that's under authority and I am also a man of authority that has people under my authority. He understood spiritual authority. Now let me read one more scripture and I'm just going to share a few things from my heart real quick. Luke 12, 42, the Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager or steward whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It is the responsibility of shepherds, of churches, pastors, shepherds. It is their responsibility to hear from God and y'all please hear me with this, and to give people their food at the proper time. So it's not just you take your Bible and just flip it and just stick your finger somewhere and just say, well, I'll talk about this. You don't go to what's popular in culture and say, well, this movie's popular right now, so I'm going to preach along these lines. I, I don't even do this too often unless I feel led to, if it's Mother's Day or Father's Day or something, that I have to preach that mess. Listen, I want to hear from God. I want to hear what is God saying to a river of life now, right now, tonight. And I get alone with him and I ask him and he speaks to me. And I want to be one that is giving the food to the sheep at the proper time. But I'm giving them a word from God, but I'm also giving it to them in season. It's a word in season, it's for now. And I'm concerned because I really believe with all my heart that Satan sees this what i'm trying to talk about tonight and he tries to get people out from under authority and that they're not where they're supposed to be getting the food they need at that time you can still be hearing sermons here and there but there's a huge difference i hope everybody can grasp what i'm saying here there is a huge difference between somebody that God has placed them in that church under that covering. And that's a man or a woman of God that lives right and they pray and they are giving the right food at the right time and the people are there to receive it. That produces extreme spiritual growth. Are y'all hearing me? But people that are not in the right place at the right time, They're not where they're supposed to be. They're not getting the food that they need. They are the ones that spiritually speaking are anemic. It's like spiritually there's a leanness of their soul and they're vulnerable for some of the attacks of the enemy that normally they would not be vulnerable toward. And over the years I've seen this a lot. I've seen this a lot. If I could just be transparent, I've seen where Satan has manipulated a lot of people. And I don't want my life to be manipulated by the devil. I don't want the devil, and I don't want flesh, and I don't want the world, and I don't want the opinions of man telling me where I'm supposed to be. I want God telling me where I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to be faithful where he's put me. And there's people, one of the things I've been talking about the last three weeks is different satanic attacks against the church. 
in these end times, and the Jezebel spirit is very, very much one of them. And I'm going to give some prophecies at the end of this sermon. But the Jezebel spirit, witchcraft in the church, witchcraft according to the scriptures, is a lot different than what a lot of the world thinks. Like, for example, let me give you a completely different example. If I was to say a priest, most of the world, when you start talking about a priest, they start thinking like something that's either um, Eastern Orthodox, Catholic, or Anglican, and that's their mentality. But that has absolutely nothing whatsoever, even in the slightest, to do with what the Bible says a priest actually is. So you always have to go back to the Bible. So with that, let me flip it over to witchcraft. I know a lot of people think certain things in their mind when you say that, but the Bible paints a picture of this. Number one is illegitimate authority. God, everybody that is in positions of authority is not necessarily put there by God in the body of Christ. People that have a voice, people that have a platform, and I'm not necessarily talking about to the whole body, even within small groups, but there's people that have an illegitimate authority. It's not from God. And the Jezebel spirit, if y'all can please hear this, will do its best to take like a crowbar and try to pry people out of true spiritual authority, that covering from God that's real, that there's real authority, there's an anointing, there's a mantle, there's food in proper time, it's God. The enemy will do his best to try to pry them out from under that and get them under some illegitimate authority that's not from God. And I've seen some strange things, even over the last couple of years, going back to around maybe 2010, I've seen some strange things I've never seen before going on in the world, but also even in the body of Christ. Who would have ever thought, you know, I asked my father this growing up. He's grown up in church his whole life. And we've always known there's church hoppers out there. Let me tell you, they're not spiritual. These people really talk spiritual that are church hoppers and they criticize every church. I'm going to tell you, they are not spiritual. These people can't even submit to an authority somewhere. They can't even be faithful to go to church somewhere. They can't even be faithful with their tithe. And they want somebody like me to respect them. I love them, but I have no respect for people like that. If they were really of God, they would go somewhere and be faithful. Amen? To God's house, be faithful. But even outside of church hoppers, just people that, that are trying to have you know, more than one church, more than one pastor, and they have this weird divided loyalties, it's strange. Let me show you how God does things. You don't see God creating like a two-headed dog. Follow me. One head is telling the dog go right. The other is telling him go left. What's the dog going to do? You don't see God putting any more but one pastor over a church and one husband over a household. And see what these people are doing is they have these divided loyalties. It's weird. And here's what they're really doing behind the scenes. When the authority God's put them over tells them something they don't like to hear, they have somebody else they can go to and present it a certain way, and that person will agree with them, and they're learning how to manipulate and control people, and basically they don't ever really truly submit to anybody. They just do whatever they want to do. That's not being under authority. That's not being undercover. This is a spiritual thing. 
This is something that angels and demons can see. They can see if it's there and they can see if it's not there. People can deceive themselves all day long and keep saying things. Oh, I'm under authority. I'm undercover. But in reality, they're actually not. And I believe there's some strange things that's already come upon the world. And I want to be protected. I want my family protected. And I want um, the, the people I have influence with to be protected. But I've seen where people, and, and again, Jezebel and the whoredoms and these other spirits I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks are traffic really powerfully in this realm. But they, it tries to get them offended with or cause problems with their authority and their covering. And then it wants to bring somebody that will bring them under their wing that's an illegitimate authority, and it can even be within the church. Where there's some person that's got a Jezebel spirit in the church and they want to gather people. A lot of times it's people that are insecure, that have been hurt in life. They don't, they don't have a lot of confidence. They don't know who they are in God, you know. And, they, and they're vulnerable to this sort of thing. And they want to kind of gather a little following unto them and meet in somewhere outside the church. And they start, those people start looking at that person more like a pastor than their actual pastor. And it's an illegitimate authority. It's weird. And what they don't understand when they do that, and I've even seen people that have ministries that God's put them under an authority, but then they start connecting with the wrong people. They start connecting with other people that they're looking to for spiritual guidance and like a pastor figure, and they don't realize what they're doing. But they are moving on their own outside of that covering, and they're becoming vulnerable for an attack. And this illegitimate authority, it's like, it's like um, if you went out in a hailstorm and all you had was an umbrella that was made of some kind of thin paper. That illegitimate authority is not going to stop that. But when it's true authority from God and it's real, their prayers and their mantle and their anointing, there's a covering there that the enemy is not going to easily penetrate. And I've seen people get these divided loyalties and then they want to play people like that and they want to start looking to someone else to be some kind of pastoring influence in their life and they don't realize it, but it's like the Jezebel spirit is slipping a yoke around their neck and next thing you know, all of a sudden, spiritually, they're not doing as good as they used to and it's a downward spiral down to something really weird. And a lot of times, at the end of the day, they have a falling out with these people anyway because none of it was ever really God to begin with. It was demonic. And that's one of the reasons why, and I, I just say this as an example about using you know, my wife and daughter, but they have been under my authority for a while now as you know, my wife is a husband and a pastor and my daughter is a father and a pastor. But that's why they've grown so much spiritually. And that's why they've been protected from a lot of the darkness because she's got a crazy testimony. But if they come up under the God covering in their life, there's a protection. And that's why when my wife takes the mic to minister places, you can feel the power of God. It's just like an electricity shoot through the atmosphere. That's why when Brianna gets up here and sings, you can feel the power of God shoot through this place. Why? Because they're under authority. And they're, they're, that downflow, hear me, the downflow of God's blessing and anointing 
his spiritual authority, all of that, you can align yourself properly and there's a flow of that. God operates through authority. Everybody knows that if you, you have electricity being hooked up in different places, if the line's broken somewhere, it's going to cut off the flow of electricity. And people are unplugging themselves. They're disconnecting. They're, listen to me, something is prying them like a crowbar out to where even though they say, well, so-and-so is my spiritual authority, they're not listening to the sermons. The pastor will even tell them something like, listen, I really feel this is important. You need to be there. You need to hear this. Make sure you hear it. And they don't even take the time to listen to it. Oh, I'm under authority, but yet I can't even submit about little things like that. And God's trying to help them. He's trying to give them spiritual food in season. But they walk away. I believe with all my heart there's a lot of pride in that. Who do we think we are, me, me included, that God would be providing food for us in season, but we're too good to get there and eat of that, to partake of that. So as darkness is coming upon the earth in these end times, make sure that you're coming up under spiritual authority and you're protected and your family's protected. Unfortunately, I believe there's places out there that I'm not, I'm not being critical. I hear my heart. But there's sin in the camp. There's worldliness. It's just entertainment. It's a social club. Um, it's just like a motivational speech. There's not really prayer going on. It's not anointed. It's not powerful. And when darkness, spiritual darkness, spiritual darkness, I'm talking about the demonic attack coming against the body of Christ and the earth, those people are not covered by anything. And I'm concerned for them. I'm concerned for their children. There needs to be a covering over families. There needs to be a covering over these little ones as they grow up in the things of God. All right, so let me move on from that. And thank you guys, because I look out through here and see people that have the humility and the wisdom to listen and really listen to those last two sermons I gave. I said it was important, and people have been taking those notes and praying about it. So this isn't directed at you guys, okay? I'm just presenting the Word of God tonight. What I feel the Holy Spirit saying, that we really need to be under authority in these end times and be careful to be protected. All right. So let me talk about uh, Matthew 24. I'm just going to go through this pretty quickly, but I want to show you. And this is a good example of what I'm saying as people are getting your papers ready and all that. You know, I believe it was 2015... God laid on my heart to preach an in-depth series on the end times called the Spine of Prophecy series. I believe it was around 30 parts. I mean, I really spent some time on that. But you can't cover it quickly. You have to take your time. And those that were part of the ministry, see, that was the food for that season. And now you know things probably a lot more than you even realize you do about the end times. And God gave you food in season to prepare you for what's coming. So Matthew 24, Jesus talked about his second coming. And here in a nutshell is what he said would happen. He said, number one, watch out that no one deceive you. So great deception in the last days. That's why we have to know the Bible for ourselves. We have to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We know his voice. We know his leading. We know his presence. And we have to stay close to Jesus in prayer. 
okay? And if you'll do that and you'll get under the proper spiritual authority, the covering God has you, I believe that you're going to be just fine. You know, Jesus said that deception will be so bad that even the elect could be deceived if that were possible. Did y'all hear that? If that were possible. It's not possible because the Spirit of God lives in us. He's with us. God's going to protect us in these end times, okay? But stay close to Jesus. Don't backslide and get into sin and think that you're going to be okay. Or the next one is this. Jesus said there would be wars, kingdoms against kingdoms, nations against nations. But the word nation against nation is ethnos against ethnos. It's ethnic racial tensions. Hello? We've been seeing a lot of that lately, and not just in America, around the world, the those that hate the Jews, you know, different ethnic groups against different ethnic groups. It's a sign of these end times that there's wars and rumors of wars all the time. There's ethnic group against ethnic group rising up. They said that there would be famines, there would be earthquakes, there'd be pestilences. We're seeing in the last hundred years, we're seeing an increase in these things. Did you, you should do a study on earthquakes. Earthquakes have been increasing in their frequency and increasing in their severity over the last several decades. And it's a fact. I mean, you can find this on secular um, charts that they've diagrammed it. Also, there would be apostasy and betrayal among Christians that people would hate and betray one another. And we see that. Unfortunately, we see that even in the church world. Betrayal, whoredoms, that spirit where people's hearts grow cold and they turn against their leaders and against churches. and Also, that there would be false prophets and cults. And we're seeing a lot of that. You know, Derek Prince is one of my favorite Bible teachers. I've read a lot of his books. I really endorse him. I encourage you to read his writings. But he said that in the days of Jeremiah, that there were tons of prophets and all of them were, were talking about peace and safety, you know. All of them were saying God's favor and blessing. And Derek Prince said this. He said, if you study Israel in the days of Jeremiah, this was right before they went into Babylonian captivity. He said it is very likely that Jeremiah was the only true prophet in the entire nation of Israel at that time. Think about that. But yet there was a bunch of other prophets all just speaking out things. They were false prophesying. They were prophesying peace and safety and everything's going to be fine, God's favor. But yet, Babylon was coming, captivity was coming, and Jeremiah was saying, repent, get things right with God. And it seems to be that that's what the Bible's talking about. There's going to be a lot of false prophets and a lot of false prophecy and a lot of cultish stuff going on. That's why my heart has been deeply that I want biblical book of Acts Christianity. As we're living in these latter days, who cares about being politically correct? Who cares if men are going to like you or not? I mean, we don't have time for any of that anymore. Let's just go after Jesus with all of our hearts and, and line things up with the word and believe him to come down and do great exploits. And the Bible says that the love of many will grow cold. This isn't in my notes, but, you know, it's true. The book of Daniel said that Satan would try to wear out the saints in these last days. And a lot of people 
have I, I have felt that too. I felt something trying to wear me out. A lot of people feel that way, but it's it's prophesied in the Bible that Satan would try to do that. Here's some other scriptures. Daniel twelve four. But you, Daniel, shut up the word, seal the book until the time of the end. Many will run to and fro and knowledge will increase. Did you know that Daniel prophesied all those thousands of years ago that we would be on airplanes, that we would be going to and fro, and that knowledge would increase? You'd be having a smartphone and be able to Google something. and I mean, just this major you know, exponential increase of travel, the speed of travel, um, technology like it is. The book of Daniel prophesied that this would come. And it's a sign of the end times. It's a sign the coming of the Lord is near. There's still, let me put it this way, there's still people alive right now, they're, they're quite elderly, like 90 years old, 100, that can remember the days of horse and buggies. Think about how much has happened just in the last several decades. Are you really thinking about that? There's people still alive right now that can remember horse and buggy days. But something has exploded in this generation. All right. James 5, 1 through 4. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming to you. Your wealth is rotted, moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion testifies against you and eats your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields. Now, who's the the harvesters out there mowing the fields? Think about it. Who's the harvesters mowing the fields? It's those that are going out winning souls. He said there's those that are out there mowing the fields. They're bringing in the sheaves, okay? And they're crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Almighty. This is not the days. Please hear this prophecy from James here. These are not the days to hoard wealth. We know the coming of the Lord is so near. I have uh, some savings. I have, you know, some retirement, things like that. But I'm not going to sit on a whole bunch of money either just for the sake of sitting on money. There's things to be done. Amen? There's some people out there that have a lot of money, but they're not really putting it toward the kingdom of God. And that, those are the people that are being spoken of here. What's going to happen when they die and stand before the Lord? Their money is going to go everywhere. You know, that they're not going to take it with them. 2 Peter 3.3. 3. Here's some other signs of the times. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires. Now, how many would say that we see a lot of scoffers? A lot of God mockers. A lot of blasphemers. They mock the Bible. They mock the one true God. They mock Christians and make fun of churches. In the Bible, the whole time they're mocking something that is predicting that they're even there mocking in the first place. And they're fulfilling Bible prophecy, mocking it all the way. (laughs) So people will mock the Bible. They'll mock the Bible, says, they're going to say things like, where's this second coming? Things have continued on. They're going to mock the second coming of the Lord. They're going to mock things like the rapture. They're going to mock Christians and Christian morals. And it says they will pursue their own evil desires. 
lusting power. Think about that. You say, what does it mean your own, pursuing your own evil desires? What does that even mean? It means this, that they're going to have like a lust for power, even occult power. And they're going to have a lust for wealth, very greedy. And they're going to have a lust for ungodly sexual desires. Do you see today people throughout the world that are lusting after these things? Power, wealth, and sex. And all the while they're doing that, they're scoffing at the things of God. Jesus predicted in Luke 17, 26, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But when Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. So Jesus predicted it would be like it was in the days of Noah and like it was in the days of Lot. What are some things that happen in these days? Think about it. First off, let me mention that the righteous were removed out. And then the wrath of God came down. So Jesus said it would be like that. How many of you righteous are thankful for that? (laughs) We're going to be the true people of God, those that are God's remnant, a bride that's made herself ready, the real deal, are going to be pulled out, just like it was then. But you see in the days of Noah, you see a lot of violence. There was also um, Nephilim. It was quite weird. You know, with that, with the angels coming down, and intermarrying like that and and sexual relations, you know there was a lot of occult power, a lot of satanic occult stuff going on as well. But also the days of Lot. What do you think about there? The militant rise of homosexuality and sexual perversions that are filling um, society today. 2 Timothy 3. The Bible says that there would be fierce times. That word fierce can be translated violent or perilous times. This is broken down into about five points. But you guys have read this where it talks about um, uh, 2 Timothy 3. It just kind of gives a different list of of people and the way they're going to be in the latter days. So let me just put them into categories. Here we go. Number one, people would be greedy and prideful. They'd be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, and blasphemers. Greedy and prideful. The second group, they would be rebellious, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. But you see a strong rebellion in the earth today. Number three, there would be a spirit of perversion. People would be unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Now notice that all this so far is about loving sinful pleasures more than loving God. But they would be a perversion in the earth. Number four, they would be a spirit of religion. They would have a form of godliness but deny its power. The Bible says from such turn away. They would have a form of godliness but no power. The true gospel of Jesus Christ has the power of... Okay, to save the lost, heal the sick, deliver the bound, 
the true gospel of Jesus Christ is all full of power. But these people just have like a shell. It's just religion. Going to church doesn't save you. You've got to be born again. All right, and then the last one is demonic false wisdom. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's some people out there that have so much head knowledge. They've studied so much. You listen to them, they can quote all kinds of stuff. But they never come to the knowledge of the actual truth. And they're going to be in hell one day because of it. There's a demonic false wisdom. That's just the wisdom of man, but it's not the wisdom of God. How many of you guys can say that we see all this like never before? 1 Timothy 4.1 The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith. We're seeing a time right now like no other time I've ever seen where people are abandoning the faith. Are y'all hearing me? Apostate. There's whole churches and movements that are ordaining homosexuals. There's people that are welcoming this stuff into their church. And there, there's people that once claimed to be a Christian. Whether they really were or not, I'll leave that up to people to argue about. But they claimed that they used to be. But now, they reject Christ. They speak against Christianity. They hate it. And now they're doing something else. Maybe they're a militant atheist or you know, a homosexual or a witch or whatever. But there's an abandoning of the faith. Just as the Bible said there would be. A falling away. And people are following deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Man, we see that today like never before. There's these seducing, deceiving spirits that are pulling people away from Jesus. And pulling people away from church. And they're being taught stuff that's demonic. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid... Now listen, this is interesting to me because Paul wrote this... Um, back early on okay this was just maybe um, within that first century church okay and Paul was looking down the prophetic telescope of time and he saw something in the latter days and he predicted that in the last days that we need to be careful of these two things right here when you think of forbidding people to marry you can't help but think about the catholic church and I'm not trying to be totally against them or anything like that I don't believe that Catholicism is true Christianity because they deny the gospel of Jesus Christ and that is not true Christianity. Amen? All right. But they forbid people to marry. And then the other flip side is abstain from certain foods which would God created be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. And you have to think about Judaism and the kosher diet. And what Paul is saying there is is there's going to be the, like these two ditches on the side of a road, so to speak. And you've got to stay down that middle road with Jesus because on the left side, you're going to see like this real high church religious stuff that seems really spiritual on the outside, seems really good, but it's just a decorated shell. It's not really true Christianity. It's not the substance. You see that with things like the Catholic Church. But on the whole other side, you're going to see people that are going to go way too far with the Hebrew roots and they're going to get into Judaism and it's going to be literally coming back under the law and thinking that you have to do those things to be saved. Are y'all hearing me? And Paul saw in the latter days that those two pitfalls would be on each side of us and we've got to stay. You know what it boils down to? A relationship with Jesus. 
if you'll stay close to him and have a relationship with him. But see, these two uh, ditches I'm talking about, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. It's just religion. This is a different sermon today. I'm just basically reading the scripture. The Second Thessalonians 2.1, Now we request you, brethren, with regard um, to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our gathering unto him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come, like past tense. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it, being the day of the Lord, will not come unless the apostasy come first. So let me stop there. That's actually the best Bible translation, the apostasy. Because in the Greek, it's apostasia. An apostate is somebody that walked with Jesus, but then they turn their back completely on him and renounce him. That's an apostate. And so some Bible translators have translated like a rebellion or a great falling away. All of that's fine. But this, I like this, this New American Standard, but it says the apostasy comes and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction or perdition. Who opposes, this is the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat even in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now. Here's that restraining so that in his time he will be revealed. See, I believe that we, the true believers that are people of prayer, powerful, anointed men and women of God, strong in the Lord, powerful in God, we are like a restraining force in the earth. Then it says in verse 8, Then the lawless one, talking about the Antichrist, will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by his appearing. That is the one who's coming uh, is in with accord with the activity of Satan, with all kinds of power, signs, and false wonders with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth as to be saved. For this reason, God will send them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. There's people out there that keep hearing over and over and over through radio, through television, through Christians witnessing to them. Maybe they got a co-worker over and over. And eventually God says, you've heard the truth so many times, and they're just being given over to a delusion. They don't love the truth. But it's interesting to me, it says the rise of the Antichrist will be the activity of Satan with all power, signs, and false wonders. So there's going to be a move of Satan that's like a counterfeit signs and wonders. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. We need the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us, and we need the faith in the truth, God's word. And it was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm, hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or mouth or by letter from us. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself 
Um, and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope and by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. So this was Paul's heart to warn people that these things are coming on the earth and to be looking for them. That's why earlier whenever I was talking about this stuff, I was saying, look, they're talking about the rise of this man who holds the mysteries of all the universe and some kind of key to things. This is weird. Hello? The Bible says there's going to be this lawless one arise, this antichrist, anti-Messiah figure. 2 Timothy 4, 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. That's rampant now, by the way. That's rampant. People don't want to go places anymore like where the truth is. And I believe when revival comes, though, I believe a lot of that's going to change. God's going to convict and draw people and all that. But right now... You see, most people just want to go where they're told comfortable things, what they want to hear that's just going to make them feel good. I don't know about you, but I don't care about any of that at all. I just want to know the truth. I want to know what God's Word says. Sometimes that's going to make me feel good, and sometimes that's going to convict me. But I love both of that. I want to know the truth. Prepare yourself. Hear the warnings of the Holy Spirit. The last two sermons, God... um, Put on my heart to warn people. Really examine yourself. Really pray into these notes and let God speak to you, okay, as we went through this. But I'm telling you, in these end times, here's some things we've got to learn. Number one, to live righteously like Noah. Noah was a righteous man in a wicked generation. And when the wrath of God came down, Noah was protected and went up. Secondly, to be a man of prayer like Enoch. Enoch walked with God in a very wicked generation. Enoch was alive during those days of Noah. He was in a very wicked generation. But he was a man of prayer and he walked with God and God just simply took him. It was a picture and type of the rapture. But he was a man of prayer. And number three, have extra oil. You remember Elijah was caught up out of here as well. And he was a man known for the anointing. And Jesus said he's coming for wise virgins with extra oil. So those are the three things. We've got to live righteously even though we're in a wicked generation. We're different. We've got to be a people of prayer and we've got to be a people filled with extra oil. And so here's the last point. Truly be covered in these end times as I opened up with. Not illegitimate authority. So here's the last couple points. I'm going to read a prophecy. Humble yourself. Truly submit under authority. You don't know someone will submit till they're told no. As long as you're telling people yes all the time and telling them what they want to hear, they're going to go along with it. But when you have to tell somebody no or correct them, you find out, are they really truly submitted or not? That's when it comes out. Number two, stay connected to the authority over you, that you're getting the food in proper season, that God is giving you what you need, and you're partaking of that. There's people I know, honestly, that I'm concerned for because I can see that spiritually there's a leanness in their soul. There's, there's something off. And it goes back to when you look in their life, their covering and their authority, things are not right, and it's on their end of it. Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through your authority speaking to you. Connect to the teaching that's coming from your authority that you're fed that. 
And did you know sometimes people, they go through satanic attack in life? I want y'all to really hear me. They go through satanic attack in life, and it's really hardcore. And even though they come out of that satanic attack, they never seem to be the same after that. And you wonder what's going on. You know why? Because it's like the enemy really brought them down to this place. And when the enemy began to kind of lighten up a little bit, they thought, okay, I'm free and everything's fine now. But they're not anywhere close to where they used to be. But they feel like they're fine where they are. And the enemy is going to keep them there until they deal with them. And let me say this too. Some people have really done things or whatever toward authority and toward churches that's not right. And you remember last week, I believe it was, or the week before, I talked about a friend of mine whose church was split by some people. And they began to try to contact me because they wanted to come around here. And I let them know some things directly and some things indirectly that got back to them. But basically, I, I called them a bunch of church-splitting devils, okay? And I don't take that back. And I told them indirectly, too, that I did not, they weren't welcome here until they went and humbled themselves and made things right with that pastor. And I stand firm by that. And so if people are going to burn a church and a pastor like that and split a church and do that type of stuff, until they go back and they make things right, they're going to carry something wrong spiritually in their life the rest of their life until they go back and deal with them. How many knows time does not forgive sin repentance and the blood of jesus washes away sin just because six years pass and it seems like you forgot about it there's still a mark on their life and that's going to follow them until they deal with it and they need to humble themselves to go back to that pastor and say forgive me and i'm going to tell you in the scriptures um, like job you remember job's counselors his friends they kept telling him he sinned and he didn't and god would not forgive those people until Job prayed for them. I'm just giving you a pattern, okay? I understand that the whole Bible, just follow me. You remember when Moses, when Miriam and Aaron began to speak against Moses, and God afflicted Miriam with uh, leprosy? And Miriam, there she was, leprous, and Moses cried out, God, please forgive her. And God basically said, I'll hear your prayer and forgive her, but she's going to stay leprous for seven days. So basically, so she won't forget this anytime soon. But it took, see what happens is people go out and they say kind of flippantly, oh, well, God, I'm sorry or whatever. And then they just go on about their lives. That's not how this thing works, getting resolved. They need to go back and they need to ask forgiveness and they need to make things right. And they need to have that pastor pray for them and them agree together. That's when that will be cleared away. Okay? So I said that because I don't feel like there's anybody here, but I wanted to get that on the recording because if there's people that you've burned bridges in the past, you've wronged churches, you've wronged pastors, you've hurt people, you, uh, maybe you had divided loyalties, you were dishonoring and disrespectful to the authority God put over you, things like that, just because time passes doesn't mean that that goes away. And just because you half-heartedly say, oh, Lord, yeah, I'm sorry, and going about your business, that doesn't mean it goes away either. You need to go back there 
And you need to humble yourself and ask God's forgiveness and ask the forgiveness of that authority. And you pray together with them and have them pray for you. And if you'll do that, it'll be like it never happened. God will wash that completely away. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the manner of doing, but encouraging one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We see the day approaching. All right. Let me read this prophetic word. This prophecy came from John Kilpatrick about a week ago. And when I heard this, I felt the anointing so strong. I knew this was a word from the Lord. And it really brought a lot of confirmation to me about things that have grieved me for many, many years. So let me just read it. I'm going to kind of stop and say some things as I go. But he said here, he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him this, that my people have yielded to the predictable and they've learned the language of the obvious. But I'm the Almighty God. My ways are past finding out. How many knows his ways are higher than our ways? I will do according to my pleasure. I choose whom I choose. My spirit will not continue to strive with unbelief. My spirit is now breaking out where I find faith and expectancy. Let me just stop there for a minute. I've even seen this with the great awakening prophecy about America that we've all heard this. I mean, people even at Azusa Street 100 years ago were prophesying that 100 years later there'd be a great revival. And this isn't anything new. This isn't like one person randomly said, no, this is God. God's sending another awakening to this nation, bottom line. But people have so much doubt, fear, and unbelief. And they're not expecting God to come. They've, they used to, but they start yielding to negative things in their minds. And God said he's not going to keep striving with their unbelief. But he sees the people of faith. Think about in the Bible, those like Joshua and Caleb, they got mad at the others and said, look, our God can take this land. Our God can take these giants. But the other ten were like, oh, we're, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. There was a doubt, fear, and unbelief there. But God's looking for people at Joshua K, but he's looking like a, for a David who will run at the giant. That there's like this faith in them. He said, my spirit is now breaking out where I find faith and expectancy. I have a people that have not bowed their knee to Baal. I know who my people are and I know where my people are and I've heard and seen the desperation and I'm overseeing my work among the nations. I feel like as the falling away keeps happening... God is separating kind of the sheep and the goats. He's separating the wheat from the tares. And, and it's becoming more and more obvious who's his true people and who's not. Many have already concluded that my spirit cannot accomplish that which I have directed him to accomplish. But they will stand in absolute disbelief at how sudden and how mighty my presence will overwhelm the obstacles that they have carefully set up to obstruct the move of my spirit. This will be a time unlike any other because of the lateness of the hour. See, we see the end times. The Lord said he's going to send a move of his spirit that's not going to be like any other because of the lateness of the hour. He said it will be swift. You remember on the day of Pentecost? All, it was like suddenly. 
the Lord broke forth. It caught him off guard. It will not be containable. I will take the most unlikely no-names and make them pillars. God's always done that. God's always delighted in doing that. You think about the David who even his own dad and his own brothers didn't even consider him a possibility to be a king. They were like, they didn't even, it didn't even cross their mind to go send for him. Samuel had to go through the whole family and then say, well, isn't there somebody else? And then they're like, oh, well, there's this guy out with the sheep, but not him. And then he's the one. God's always loved doing that because he gets all the glory. Think about William Seymour as I'm saying this too. The most unlikely people. Those those that others have worried about and criticized and deemed unfit, I'm turning to them. I will endow them with supernatural wisdom. I'm giving them visions and they will amaze others because of the abilities I'm going to put into them. I have so many that have turned their backs on my spirit and my presence and they have chosen by their own will another way. I will send leanness to their souls and they will become totally out of touch with what I'm doing in these end times. Man, you can see that. There's so much of an emphasis on entertainment and social clubs and programs, but there's no emphasis in a lot of places on God's presence and power. It used to not be that way. Many will not be able to speak into what I'm doing because they don't understand it. They will also not be able to withstand my mighty works. Others who do understand will humble themselves and repent. But many have become so apostate that I'm going to remove their candlestick and their darkness will be great. The Lord said he would do that. He said, if you don't repent, I'll remove your lampstand or your candlestick. You know what that means? They're no longer considered a church in God's eyes. God removes that from them. They become apostate. There's places that are embracing things that the Bible clearly and specifically says is sin. And they're embracing it and ordaining it. And God's going to reach down and pull the candlestick right out and their darkness will be great. As my spirit moves, there will be little time to chronicle the miracles, signs, and wonders. This will be a swift move of God. The miracle signs and wonders will break out so suddenly and become so widespread that even onlookers and skeptics will confess this is unstoppable. Who can stand before such a mighty wind as this? Organizations that have disregarded my heart for the lost and have restricted the moving of my Holy Spirit will vanish and be totally forgotten. I will not be contained. I will not be instructed by strangers. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians among God's house, but they don't really know the Lord. And God says, I will not be instructed by strangers. Some events and processes, listen to this, some events and processes that many think I'm a part of, or or rather people think I'm not a part of, he said, I'm right in the middle of it. Other events and processes that people think surely God's a part of this. He said, I have nothing to do with it whatsoever. See, I've noticed that there's such a lack of discernment. People don't know anymore what's of God and what's not. There's a lack of discernment. And then the prophecy goes on. I'm not in your darkness. I'm in the light. And the light is shining right now in dark places. 
My revelation is breaking forth. I am now revealing secrets. I'm unfolding secrets to my people. Um, as of this moment, mysteries are being made understandable. My sons and daughters uh, will make known their heavenly father to this generation. Healing will no longer be contained. It will break out. As a matter of fact, it will be totally unconfined and will break out in some of the most unexpected places and in the most unexpected ministries. Such changes, it will not be possible to keep up with them. These are the days the prophets of old told you about. You are my vessels. Now is the time to be strong and to be vigilant. Put on or put your body under subjection and allow my spirit to reveal himself in you and through you. And finally, remember, it will be extremely difficult to chronicle this move of my spirit that's coming because it's going to be such a quick work, says the Lord. That's a powerful prophecy, isn't it? Lord, we receive it. Let it come. Now, here's two others from a previous prophecy this year, also from Barry Kilpatrick. I really felt is coming as well. I'm sharing this because I've, this is weight on my heart. This is something that's answered some of my questions and, you know, brought a lot of confirmation to me. It's things that have been heavy on my heart for years. And I can see in this prophecy that God is not going to put up with some of the stuff that I've been grieved out there. But he's going to make a distinction between who's right with him and who's not. All right, here's the last two little nuggets here. Jezebel will not leave on her own accord. But I, the Lord, will cause her to fall from her tower of power. Even as of late, you've wondered if anything could unseat her from her evil purposes. Her victims are many. She has come to her final chapter, and I, the Lord, will not tolerate her subversive um, activities any longer. Deliverance has come. I really believe this is from the Lord and that God is tired of it, to be honest with you. And I believe God is going to start dealing more firmly with people than he has in times past. And just as the Bible says in Revelation 2.20, those that don't repent for real, I mean for real, um, just as the Bible says, they're going to be cast on a bed of sickness and there's going to be very, very severe judgment come. All right, then the last one is healing hands. There's a proliferation of sickness, suffering, and weakness. My people have mostly forsaken the laying on of hands and have neglected the Lord's table. I don't think y'all realize out there how much that is true. I don't even see any longer or any more amongst Pentecostals and full gospel and revival people. I don't see the laying on of hands anymore. I mean, what is going on? But anyway, he said, they've neglected the laying off hands. They've neglected the Lord's table. Therefore, there are many sick among you, and there's widespread weakness. I'm sending a fresh wind of revelation upon my church. I'm raising up a company that are not only called but chosen specifically to bring renewed understanding of the table of the Lord. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Do not neglect such a great salvation. So God is going to bring back the Lord's table as an emphasis and the laying on of hands. And there's going to be strength come to God's people again. All right, we're going to pray for people.